I want to just share with you a couple of highlights before we look at our question for today from our congregational meeting this past Tuesday night and maybe whet your appetite to go and look at our full annual report that you'll find in our online bulletin today. Just a reminder that we are one church in multiple locations, Columbia Road, 6941 in Olmstead Falls, and then Lorraine Correctional, about 100 and some guys there, and then uh, Middleburg. And so that's the three campuses. So just a couple of things if you're wondering about. Annual reports have lots of numbers. You're going to see a few here. First, this past year, this is 2022. We had uh, 170 people get baptized, 287 who said, I want to follow Jesus as my Savior. That was, uh, you know, the, the ones we know about. So really giving thanks for that. The next slide here talks about attendance. If you're curious how many people come to Grace, there's about 4,600 a week on average who are part of our services either online or on site. And we have 1,700 members. Those are people who have officially said, hey, I've gone through like Grace 101. I want to join officially with this uh, church. 97 new members in 2022 and 531 guests registered that they came uh, last year. The next slide here uh, talks about uh, just the change we've seen in terms of since the pandemic, how many people are online. And 1,800 people a week on average, and the, maybe the surprising one there from how many different countries? Uh, first, I thought I need to put my glasses on, from 60 different countries joining with the church in Cleveland, Ohio. So, uh, Also, people taking steps of growth. You'll see about our counselors. Maybe you're not even aware we have seven affiliated counselors. And they booked over 6,000 appointments last year alone. That's an amazing amount of just interaction and growth and talking about what does it look like to go through healing. And so uh, very neat. And then what's happening outside the walls? Local outreach. We have a number of ways that people are doing that. The top one there is from, for uh, material goods for Ukraine refugees and then upward basketball uh, an event with the Browns that we had it over at Olmstead Falls. And then beyond that, to the Cleveland, broader Cleveland here, Mary and I were yesterday, before I officiated a wedding, we were up at uh, Garden Christian Academy, one of our partner uh, agencies, and they're, they're investing in kids through a really cool school concept. And we were there just to encourage the team from Grace that were helping to beautify the grounds and the inside of the building as well, and thought, wow, Lord, thank you for all the different ways people are serving. On that topic, uh, last week at Lorraine Correctional, you might not be aware, I think there's 16 different ministries happening there with dozens of volunteers from Grace. And last week for Mother's Day, a uh, team from Grace held a brunch. And uh, moms could come in, or the special women in these guys' lives. And here's what one of the guys wrote. I got this uh, about two days ago. I would like to thank Grace Church and all that helped my mother this past weekend for Mother's Day in providing the means for her to visit. Uh, I met her last Sunday in the lobby. She came here, and then she went out to Lorraine Correctional. She had not seen her son since 2015. I thank you all. Your church is truly walking the love of God. For so long, I've been hurt by the church. I've been judged by my past but your church welcomes us with open arms and you welcomed my mom also. I thank you and praise God for all that you do. Um, just a, what a great note. I got three notes this week alone um, from guys. You're also reaching out globally, people who are being sent. This is just the giving aspect. This is to missions. And so uh, 
about 70% to Alliance Missions. That's the denomination we're part of, supporting 700 workers in about 40-some countries. Other mission support would be people from Grace, like Drew and Joanne, and Drew and Michelle, and Ron and Serena, and others. And then short-term missions trips, a number of you have taken those as well. And then five new elders were elected this week. Uh, you'll see uh, the ones there, some of them you recognize. Uh, the other current serving elders are on our website. You can just go to website, and you'll see that in a little bio about each one of them. And I just want to say to all of you, uh, even if you're brand new at Grace, um, God knows your name, you matter, and for all of you who are investing with the gifts God has given you, you're giving financially, you're praying, you are a, you're like a stockholder, and you get to rejoice just in the privilege of being a part of what God is doing. And so, really thankful for you. If you want to see the full report again, uh, you'll see all of these uh, stats and others uh, at just go to our online bulletin and you'll see them there. Feel free to be in touch with us however we can uh, answer any questions, etc. Well, let's jump into our topic for today. Uh, we started our series a number of weeks ago. This is the last Sunday and the series is asking for a friend, as you saw, and we're saying, what are some of the top things that people are asking? One of the ones that we consistently hear is, how do I, like, what Old Testament law still apply today. Uh, do you ever wonder about that as you read the Bible? Some of you are reading through the Old Testament and you'll get to you know, Leviticus or Numbers or Deuteronomy, you go, wow, like I, there's some tough passages. In fact, one of our new adult classes that starts in two weeks is taught by Pastor Tom Sefik, a gifted teacher, and he's gonna be talking, the title of his class is Perplexing Passages from the Bible. If you're wondering like, how do I interpret some of the tougher passages, that might be a class you check out, lots of good classes available. But let's just take some inventory here. I want to read a few of the Old Testament commands, and you might go, I don't really know. Like, I think I follow them all. But take a listen to these and tell me how you're doing. This is from Leviticus 19, verse 19. Do not wear clothing woven of two kinds of material. I don't know. How are you doing? Leviticus 14, if the defiling mold reappears in your house. You ever had mold in your house? Okay, if it reappears, your house is unclean, it must be torn down. We're coming over your house this week and we're going to help you take it down. <laughs> Leviticus chapter 19, do not cut the hair at the sides of your head or clip off the edges of your beard. I see a number of guys here today with neatly trimmed beards, you know, and I'm wondering. Le Leviticus chapter 19, verse 28, do not put tattoo marks on yourselves. Deuteronomy 22, make tassels on the four corners of the cloak that you wear. I'm just saying some of you are in big trouble. Like, you know, I'm, I'm thinking like you're in, I'm doing confession, like I'm receiving people in the cafe after the service if you want to come by. I, I, I have a blended, like, you know, material sport coat here, and the whole thing about like growing more hair, I mean, good luck for me on that, right? Uh, Seriously, do these laws apply to us today? And if not, why not? Because some people just go, well, I think, you know, they're just obviously, they don't apply, but how are we to be the ones who pick and choose what laws apply to us and which ones don't? Because if I just make the decision myself, then I've become a judge of God's word instead of God's word being a guide for me. I got a letter this week from a guy who doesn't attend Grace. I've known him. 
I don't think you knew what I was talking about today. Um, but he sent me a packet uh, that's the 32-page brochure that someone else wrote, but he wanted to make sure I got called God's Mark, the Sabbath Day. And I'll summarize for you the 32 pages, and it's this, that the concern is that Americans, Christians, and really anybody around the world who do not keep the sixth day as the Sabbath are not true Christians. Wow. You might go, I don't believe that at all. And I would say, I don't either. But on what basis would you say that? Because this guy, and if you're watching, I really, I love you, and uh, we just see it differently. But, but why do we not worship on Saturday instead of Sunday? And is Sunday even really a Sabbath? And if we don't follow the Sabbath, then why not? How do you decide? For some people, this is a stumbling block. If, if it's not for you, there's other people around you who go, I am confused about the Old Testament. Like, huh, what do I choose to follow and what do I choose not to follow? You know what the answer is? You let the scripture guide you. There's a principle of hermeneutics, which is the, the principles for understanding and applying the Bible that, that says this, scripture interprets scripture. In other words, if you're not really sure when it says, unless you hate your father and your mother, you don't, you're not worthy of following me, Jesus said. What does he mean by that? Well, you go and you say it all. He also talked about honor your father and your mother. So I have to let scripture interpret scripture on that. And the same thing with the laws of the Old Testament. So if you have your Bible, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 8. It's right toward the end of your New Testament. And in this letter, the author is writing to a Jewish, primarily Jewish audience. And he's telling them, he's saying, you know what, Jesus... His way is better than the old way. His covenant is better than the old covenant. His sacrifice is better than the old sacrifice. And at the end of Hebrews chapter 8, verse 13, here's, here's what it says. It's sort of a summary verse. The author says, By calling this covenant new, covenant is almost the same word as like testament, an agreement between God and his people, God has made the first one what? That's a strong word, isn't it? Obsolete. And what is obsolete and aging will soon disappear. Wait, wait, wait. Who made the old covenant obsolete? God did. Not Jonathan, not you. We don't get to pick and choose. Obsolete means it's no longer valid. It's like when you have a software package on your computer and they're like, hey, this version is obsolete. It means there's a new and what? Upgraded version, right? It's the same thing here. There's an old covenant and we have an upgraded and new covenant. Galatians chapter 3, you don't have to turn there, but here's what the apostle Paul writes, something very similar. He says this, he says in verse 23, the law was put in charge to lead us to Christ. Now that faith has come, we are, what are the next two words? No longer under the supervision of the law. Did you catch that? You are no longer under the supervision of the Old Testament law. Here's the point. Number one in your notes, we follow the way of Christ, and that means this, if there's one statement you want to take away on this topic, which of the Old Testament laws still apply today? Let's read the second and third line. You ready? Let's say them together aloud. The laws of the Old Testament no longer apply unless they are repeated in the New Testament. Let's say it one more time together aloud. Ready? The laws of the Old Testament no longer apply unless they are repeated in the New Testament. That is what the New Testament itself teaches. You're no longer under the supervision of the law. It's been declared obsolete. And, and that means that we don't bring sacrifices anymore. It means you can wear mixed fabrics. 
fabric. You can, uh, you can eat shellfish like shrimp. You know in the Old Testament they couldn't eat shrimp. Uh, you can have a cheeseburger. They couldn't do that. Uh, you can have a tattoo. There might be wisdom to not, you know, as a 17-year-old, put the name of your girlfriend on your bicep. Uh, or to have a tattoo that you think looks really good when you're 23, but maybe not when you're 83. But there's nothing wrong with having a tattoo. That, that we're no longer under the supervision of that law, unless it's repeating the New Testament, which those are not. In fact, this is affirmed by Jesus. He's on the, just on the eve of his death, and he's, remember the passage about that we use to celebrate communion. He says to his followers in Luke 22, after supper, Jesus took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. So when you hold the cup and you take the bread in communion, you're affirming that there's a new covenant. We're saying there's a new way to be forgiven. I don't have to bring sacrificial animals, you know. I don't have to bring a lamb. I, I have a new covenant. The old way is obsolete. I'm not saying that. The Bible is saying that, right? That's what the Bible teaches. Now, someone might go, well, does that mean we should even read and study the Old Testament? Absolutely yes. The Old Testament, there's a lot more to the Old Testament than only the laws. And even those give us a sense of God's history with his people. But there's a boatload of wisdom literature. There's prophecies. There are the Psalms of David that were songs to God that we can, we can use. And so you see the history of how God created in the very beginning, how he worked and provided for his people, the way that people grew or failed in their walk with God and what we can learn from that. There's all the prophecies that pointed forward to a Messiah. And so number two in your notes says this, even Jesus did not reject the Old Testament. He fulfilled it. Matthew chapter five, do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So the Old Testament and the New are inspired scripture and the purpose of the Old Testament is to point forward to the person in the mission of Jesus. But the laws of the Old Testament no longer apply for us today unless they're repeated in the New. So even Jesus in Mark chapter 7 verse 19 do you know that Jesus irritated a lot of his Jewish contemporaries because they thought he was breaking the law? They're like, you keep on doing stuff on the Sabbath. Jesus was the fulfillment of the Sabbath. He would eat, you know, he let his followers eat, and it says in Mark 17, by this Jesus, Mark 7, verse 19, by this Jesus declared all foods clean. Remember the vision that Peter has in Acts chapter 10? Peter's in this vision, and, and, and this uh, sheet is brought down, and and he's told, take and eat. And he's like, I, I can't eat. Those are unclean animals. And it happens again, right? And Peter's told, no, eat, eat, you can eat those animals. All foods are declared clean. God declares the Old Testament laws obsolete unless they're repeated as part of the way of Christ. In your notes, and I, we don't have time to talk through all this, but it talks about continuity and discontinuity. In other words, the Old Testament and New Testament, they fit together. There's like one story from Genesis to Revelation over 1,400 years by multiple authors, and there's, it fits. It's in, in the Old Testament, it says, can be summarized, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the Old Testament can be summarized with those two laws. There's, that's a continuity that runs all the way through the Bible. 
But there's also a discontinuity. In other words, there's a sort of a break where Jesus comes on the scene and he fulfills all the Old Testament sacrifices. There's a discontinuance of the sacrifices. All the laws are discontinued. All, the, all of those things are, unless they're repeated in the way of Jesus. Now, some of them might go, okay, well, here's my first question. Are you telling me the Old Testament, like all the Ten Commandments don't count anymore? What about the Ten Commandments? I mean, those are, am I set free from those because I'm no longer under the supervision of the law? Remember what we said? The laws of the Old Testament don't apply unless they're what? Repeated in the New. All of the Ten Commandments are repeated in the New Testament except for one. Anybody know which one that is? The Sabbath. The Sabbath day is not repeated in the New Testament. That, uh, that Jesus fulfilled the Sabbath. Hebrews 4 says we live in the Sabbath rest of God. Rest is a gift, but you and I no longer follow Saturday as the Sabbath day. And even Sunday, we might call the Lord's Day or it's a special day for worship, but it's, it's not the Sabbath. In fact, Paul the Apostle, if you read in Galatians or Romans chapter 14, he says some people treat one day as special and other people treat every day as alike. Like Jesus, we celebrate his resurrection every single day. Yeah, amen. And so back to my friend here, you know what Paul says in Romans 14? He says, some people, they, they treat the Sabbath as a special day. He goes, don't belittle them, don't. But he said, if you think that the Sabbath, you have to do it, uh, he says, don't condemn the people who don't follow it like you do. And so my, my, my brother here and I, I believe he's going to be in heaven. I, I hope he believes that I'm going to be in heaven as well. And, uh, but that's what Paul says. And so you and I are under a new way. The Old Testament uh, commands obsolete, still lots to benefit from, to learn the prophecies, the wisdom literature. The, but today, uh, we're set free from those laws, and we now follow the law of Christ and whatever he has given us in the new covenant or the new testament. Well, I, my time was almost up. You'll see a lot of verses in your notes, by the way, of like, which, where are the nine commandments that are repeated, where they repeat in the New Testament? I've listed some of those places and lots of other things to dig into. And I'm going to be in the lobby after the service. And if you say, I've got a comment or a question on that, I'd be glad to chat. There's, this is a difficult one, and, and Christians can legitimately disagree. And Paul says, stay together. Focus on Christ, even if you don't see eye to eye. Let me finish with some bad news and then the really good news. Here's the tough part about the law. The law of the Old Testament could never save anybody. Never did, never will. The law was like an x-ray machine. When, uh, you know, I, some of you know I still enjoy playing softball. I have a game this afternoon and let's say I'm out in the outfield, and, and I end up tripping, and, and I break my leg. They take me, put me on a stretcher, I go to the emergency room, and I'm in there, and they, they do an x-ray, and they, they see my femur, and I, I've broken my femur. The x-ray machine can reveal that, but how much healing can it do? None, right? It just reveals you got a break. Like the, the x-ray machine exposes what's wrong with me. That's what the law does. The law 
makes us realize, wow, you fall really short. Like you're broken. You're, you're, you're a bunch of people who have sinned and messed up and the law sets the standard really high and shows we can't keep it. That's the bad news. The law has never saved anybody. You'll never be good enough or obey enough or the whole comparison thing, I think I'm better than my neighbors, coworkers, whatever, extended family. You'll never be good enough to be acceptable to God. That's the bad news. The good news is this. There's someone who came and fulfilled the law perfectly. And if the law came from Moses, it says in John chapter one, grace and truth came through who? Jesus Christ. And Jesus fulfilled the law perfectly. Not only did he do that, then he offered himself as a sacrifice for our brokenness and the ways that we never kept the law and we failed and were born messed up people. And Jesus says, I'm going to die for you. And friends, when he's your hope and you receive his grace, it's a game changer, right? <clears throat> Let me close with a story about a friend of Mary's and my, uh, mine that I'll call Bill. Uh, Bill was a gifted, talented guy. He could make money. He was a lot of charisma, but he lived his life far from God. He was unfaithful to his wife many times. He walked out on his kids. He was a terrible dad. He was dishonest in business. He was corrupt. He was, he, there, was, there was very little to emulate about Bill's life. Bill finds out he's diagnosed with cancer. He's got months left to live. His body begins to fall apart. Suppose that Bill is, and he was, sort of terrified at the prospect of meeting a holy God and dying. If someone comes to him and says, hey, Bill, what you got to do, man, is just be good enough, man. You got to put enough good stuff in the bank to outweigh the bad stuff. How much hope does Bill have? His ship is sunk. There's no way. He's had years and years and years of living life recklessly, and now his body is riddled with cancer, and he has weeks, months left to live. There's no, there's no hope. The law, obedience, performance will never save him. But the wonder of the gospel is this like the thief on the cross. That Bill, and this is a true story because it's what happened to Bill, Bill's neighbors came over and shared with him the wonder and the truth about Jesus and he had heard it a lot of times before but he was ready. The, the blinders came off and he put his trust in Jesus and the sacrifice of Jesus for him and he, and, and he invited Christ to come into his life and to received his grace. And where is Bill today? Man, he's in heaven, right? I'm gonna see Bill again one day. He wasn't saved by law, he was saved by grace. And that's the other great piece of news for you and me, is that the law which could never save it was helpless, that you and I are under the new covenant and Jesus Christ fulfilled the law, paid the penalty for our sin, and today we can just go, Jesus, I accept your grace. Thank you. Thank you for what you've done for me. I'll never be good enough, but you were, and I put my trust in you and I surrender. People who got baptized today, that's the step they took. And if you've never taken that step, I, I want to give you an opportunity even this moment. We've already had a number of people today who've said, I count me in. 
But I, I want to give you the opportunity to say, Lord, um, wow, if it takes perfection, I acknowledge that's not me. And I, I want to put my trust in you. I'd like to just close us in a prayer and give you an opportunity to do that. Okay, let's pray together. Jesus is here. He's listening. He sees you. So you might pray something like this. Jesus, I realize that I've made a lot of mistakes in life. I have failed you and I've failed the people around me in numerous ways. I've, I've sinned. It's what the Bible calls it. I've fallen short of what you've wanted. And Lord, I'm hearing that I'll never be able to save myself. And I acknowledge that. I'm, I don't deserve anything but death and separation from you. But Jesus, thank you that you came and you came full of grace. And then you died in my place. And Jesus, today, I put my trust in you that when you died, you died for me. Jesus, I accept your grace and, and I surrender my life to you, Jesus. I want to follow you with your help and become the person that you want me to be. So Lord, thank you that you didn't end with law, but you've given us grace. And I receive that today with great gratitude for what you've done for me. Fill me with your spirit and help me to walk in a way that honors you. Lord, for everybody who's taken that step, whether today, right now, called out to you, or sometime in the past, Lord, I pray, thank you for the presence of your spirit and help us to just be like soft clay in your hands, the master potter, that you would shape and mold us to be the people you want us to be. We say today, again, we're grateful for what you've done for us. Thank you for saving me and for providing a way for me to be forgiven on my way to heaven and filled with purpose today. I love you, Jesus, in your name. And everyone said, amen. amen.